Right, team. Good evening. Welcome to, I'm going to forget the date, Monday the 7th. Yes, Monday the 7th of November. Uh, Chats with Charlie, renamed from Open Offices. I thought it sounds a little bit more friendly. Um, and we've got as much time as you need to chat through things, to troubleshoot your checking questions, ask anything you need, get some support and make sure that you get set up for a successful week. So of course, I've got my trusty whiteboard, all my notes from your check-ins. I've got some things on the screen as well that I'm going to talk you through. And I've just got probably about probably about 12 key topics that I want to cover. But of course, I don't want to be taking up your whole evening. So I'm going to be quite concise and to the point this evening. If you've got any questions, chuck them in the chat, save, put them down so I can come back and review them, particularly if they're related to the thing that I'm talking about at that moment. Chuck them in the chat, ask away. But what I'll probably do is I'll probably get to the end of each section and then I'll go and go through questions if that is all right with you guys. So let's get into it then. Nutrition questions. These are the key things that came up repeatedly. Alcohol. Now, alcohol, unfortunately, isn't empty calories. We often call things like fast food and alcohol empty calories. They're not empty calories. Calories can't be empty by definition. They are units of energy, right? And alcohol does have seven calories per gram. The thing about alcohol is it sometimes or quite often comes with quite a lot of carbohydrates as well. So we've got the alcohol involved and we've got the carbohydrates, right? The other thing is when we drink alcohol, because it's a toxin to the body, it's poisonous, it gets kind of like bumped to the front of the queue. So if you have a go out for a nice meal and have a nice dinner and, you know, four, let's say four glasses of wine or, you know, a few beers, we often think that, you know, we're not getting drunk or whatever because the, the alcohol, is, uh, the food is soaking up the alcohol. And, and yeah, that is true to a degree. But in terms of the digestion and the absorption of the nutrients from that meal, it's not really happening how it would normally happen. So the alcohol will get bumped to the front of the queue and that will be burned off and, and processed, if you like, because it's a poison. So it affects the digestion of your meal. It's not empty calories. It also fiddles around, of course, with our hydration. It makes us dehydrated, right? It also causes us to feel um, more hungry afterwards. So it basically plays around with our hunger hormones. We can feel like it suppresses appetite in the short term. But then later on that evening, three, four hours later, suddenly we have this you know, massive rush of hunger because of our hunger hormones being all out of whack. So alcohol has quite an impact. You know, I wish that wasn't the case. I had a few beers on Saturday, did not feel great Sunday morning. Um, I, you know, I wish I, I could fib to you and lie to you and say that alcohol is fine. It's great. It's kind of not. It's pretty detrimental to most of our progress, to be totally honest. It also then leads to the hangover, potentially, um, even if we just have a few. And then the knock on, ne- knock on effect, sorry, the next day, right? So it leads to the grouchiness. It leads to the lack of movement, lack of motivation. So alcohol, not great. Someone asked me to be honest about alcohol. That's my that's my alcohol 101. The next question about nutrition was about tracking, right? How to track. So I'm prepping my, mood, uh, prepping my food. I've got my meal plan sorted. I'm now in the kitchen. I'm cooking. I'm prepping. How do I track that exactly? And what I would say is I would say sort of pick your pick your tactic and stick with it. So what I mean by that is pick, I'm either going to cook it away and track everything raw or dry, pre-cooked, or I'm going to cook it after, I'm going to track it after cooking, right? I would always recommend pre-tracking. So if you're using rice, try to use sort of dry rice rather than cooked rice, because obviously the weight changes massively. If you're going to use chicken breast, for example, track that raw, track everything raw would be my personal advice. But either way, whatever you do, Find one way and stick to it because there's no use on a Monday tracking your rice dry and then on a Wednesday tracking it cooked. 
and you know and that applies to everything so just try to find your own approach and stick with it but like i say pre-cooked is my personal preference a little bit more accurate that way okay um johnny chef johnny might say something different to that but this is just how i've always done it and how i've always done it with clients tends to work quite well um but we'll see um johnny might have something to say when he comes and talk to us soon the next big question was around eating around your workout so we, we call this peri workout nutrition so that means all of the nutrition sort of uh, yeah, around your workouts before during and after now most of us for our current goals we don't need to be eating during our workouts you know we don't need energy gels we don't need anything like that you know if you are working out of course, if you're going for a walk, you, you definitely don't need to eat anything special before and after if you're just going for a gentle walk. And for most of us with our workout goals, we don't need to eat during our workout. However, a general rule of thumb, and I'm being very general here for the only purpose of trying to hit everyone's sort of training with one brush would be to have a snack before and a snack or a meal after. So in my mind, in my, what I'm sort of thinking of is someone who might go down to the go, go down to the gym sort of six o'clock in the evening, half past five in the evening, something like that, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking sort of about an hour to an hour and a half before your meal, have a snack with some carbohydrates in and some protein, okay? Because then that's going to give you the fuel you need for your to actually get through the workout. The protein is obviously great for filling you up, but it's also good for muscle recovery. So we're sort of preempting the fact that we're going to go and damage our muscles. Okay. If you're someone who works out first thing in the morning, you might feel better just waking up, having a big glass of water, giving it 15 minutes, and then going and doing your workout. Because again, if you, I'm trying to sort of, you know, pin it to everyone's circumstances here. If you're someone who's working out before school, you're probably working out at home for lots of us. And you're probably work, you probably don't have, much time between waking up getting your workout done and getting to, getting ready for school so you're probably all fitting all this in between 30 to 60 minutes so you don't have loads of time to go and you don't want to wake up for example 15 minutes before you can stomach something eat something 15 20 minutes to digest it then do your workout then eat again that's all a little bit too much isn't it so first thing in the morning try just um working out fasted so not eating anything give it a go again if you're going out and you're running a half marathon first thing in the morning, obviously that's totally different, but trying to hit as many people with, with one brush sort of thing, try probably, I would recommend fasting in the morning. You can get a little carbohydrate powder that you can sort of put into some water, shake it up. If you're, if you're someone who feels like they have very low blood sugar in the morning, or you feel like you're just a bit sort of empty and you feel like you need something, but you've got a short period to work out in, maybe some of that sort of um, carbohydrate powder could work. It's basically sugars for the most part. Um, so that's just a really, really quick one in terms of snacks around the workouts, anything really, any carbohydrate source and protein source that fits into your day that you enjoy. For me, it would be something like a banana and a yogurt that works really well, carbohydrate and protein um, or a protein shake or a protein bar to try and hit both of those. It really depends on the intensity of your exercise and your training, but that will that will work for most people. Right. Mindset. I'll try not to go into this you know, for, for too long because mindset is a, is a rabbit hole that we could be down all night. But loads and loads of you, understandably, I, I expected this. It always happens because it's such a big topic and a big area. Ask about balancing it all. How on earth do I, how do I do it? How do I do it? How do I look after my children, my family, my job, myself? Like, how do I manage all this stuff with life admin? You know, the car breaks down. I've got to take someone to fireworks. Kids have got club. How do you get it all in? Now, the truth is that you can't, right? The truth is that there is only one of you and you have a certain, you have a finite capacity. 
you cannot be everything to everyone all of the time. And so we need to pick our battles. We need to do what you can with what you have where you are. And sometimes that will mean using that minimum range. Before I talked about the minimum range to the maximum range for your health and well-being, always have a range, never have a, a fixed target because that's going to alleviate stress and pressure and the guilt of that should word, you know, the should word, I should have done this, I should have done that, should come with that lovely like layer of guilt, doesn't it? So if, you know, if you are really, really pressed for time, you're going to have to pick your battles. And I want you to imagine your health and well-being. I'm just going to talk about health and well-being in school for a second. So I'm talking to everyone here. Imagine it on a seesaw, right? If you, if you think, of a seesaw in a kid's playground. If everything was perfectly balanced, your work life is over here, your, uh, sorry, your work's over here, your life's over here, your health and well-being is over here. If the seesaw was like this, and it's a kid's playground, no one's having fun on that seesaw. It's not how seesaws work. Seesaws are supposed to go up and down. And the same is true for life. So there is just naturally going to be weeks where work takes over a little bit more. And there are going to be weeks where you, again, touch wood, very wishful thinking, but there are going to be weeks, hopefully, where you do have a little bit more flexibility and a little bit more availability to be able to leave school earlier. You know, it's not parents evening week, for example. You might not be medium term planning that week. Things might just be a little bit more simple. So you might be able to leave earlier that week. You might be able to have an early finished couple of days. You might be able to get down the gym. You might even be able to get into work a little bit later some of those days as well. Right. So it's going to go like this. If we expect perfection and balance all of the time, we are going to fall short and we're going to beat ourselves up and we're going to give up. It's that perfectionist mindset creeping in again. It's not going to work. I don't just want you to expect to have to balance like this, you know, for there to be bumps. I want you to almost run towards that challenge. I want you to know that there will be weeks that will completely knock you for six and you're not going to, you'll be, barely be able to hit that minimum range for your health and well-being. It might be fruits and veggies, hydration, and 6,000 steps Monday to Friday that week. And that is absolutely fine. You are not going to be able to, particularly if you've got a family at home as well, you're not going to be able to do everything all of the time. And just, and, and expecting that isn't, you know, aim for the stars, hit them, was it? Aim for the moon? land among the stars you know that's a nice way of thinking about it but honestly you're just gonna be disappointed most of the time so rather than having that range that's got to be perfect all the time uh, that that target has got to be perfect all the time think of a range maximum range might be tracking calories twelve thousand steps four workouts you know the whole shebang it all, you know your perfect week so to speak the bottom range like i said might just be a couple of habits but if you've got that range there's no such thing as failure it doesn't exist because you're not aiming for a fixed target, you've got a range. Let me know if that makes sense in the chat, guys. That is something that I found works really, really well with everyone because targets and fixed numbers, this is why I don't say 10,000 steps. I say eight to 10,000 steps. Target and fixed numbers, you can fall short on. Ranges are much harder to, to fail at, basically. So that's the first thing. The second thing um, I didn't actually manage to get a copy of, um, I've got it on another slide somewhere, is the Eisenhower matrix. So lots of you spoke about sort of balancing work and home and, and just how to how to do it all. Some of you said that to-do lists just, just don't work and they stress you out, which is fantastic. You know, I, I completely disagree with to-do lists. There's, there's a, a time and a place, but there's a way to do them. Instead of to-do lists, I, uh, I basically nicked this from Mr. Mac Making Memories, Dan McFarland. He talks about can-do lists. So not things to do, again, should do, things that you can do realistically in the time. And you only should have a couple of items on that can do list. It shouldn't be chock a chock a block, maybe a handful of items, okay? 
But other than a can-do list, there's something called the Eisenhower matrix. And you've probably all seen it before. It's four quadrants. And at the long the top, it says important and not important. And then down the side, it says urgent and not urgent. So if you line those up, what you get is you get a box top left quarter, which is do now, things that you have to do and have to be done by you. And I don't mean things that you'd like to do. I mean things that you have to do yourself, right? The top right box then is going to be things to delay or defer, things that you can put off and things that you can wait with. I'll put a copy of this in the group. The bottom left box is going to be probably the hardest for you, delegate, probably even harder than delete, because it means that you need to let go of control, hand it over to someone else, and you know that you can't do anything about it if it's not done in the way that you like it. And that is really, really tough. Let me know in the chat. Does anyone else struggle with giving up control? Because it was something that I really, really struggled with. I found this really difficult because you've got your way of doing it, haven't you? You've got your approach, your method. It is quite tough. However, if we can delegate even just a couple of bits off that weekly overview, you're going to find that you're allowing yourself a lot more time. The bottom right one then is going to be delete. These are things that you can actually get rid of. Again, very, very tough to do, but there will always be something. And it might not be that you delete it forever. It might be that you just delete it until next half term or you delete it until, you know, next academic year or something like that. So it's kind of longer than deferring. You're kind of deleting it out of your mind completely, whereas deferring or delaying that top right one, you're sort of holding it in your mind. You're holding it on your board until a pretty soon time. So that Eisenhower matrix is really useful. Honestly, it transformed the game for me. When I, when I realized I didn't have to have a, a to-do list with 20 items on it, and I could actually map these out and deal with them differently, completely changed it. So that's kind of what I want to say about balancing it all. You can't do it all yourself. Life will be a seesaw. Use the Eisenhower matrix. Have the conversations, right? Get the people around you on board with you because you need support. There's no way that you can do all this alone. We need to get some support. So those would be my sort of key things that I would say on that. Of course, we can go into more detail with that another time. Now, self-care menu. Let me show you this self-care menu then. So lots of you have probably seen it before, but here's, you should be able to see the teacher's team group. Give me, give me like a, a yes in the chat if you can see the teacher's team group. So this is from a long, long time ago now. Um, but this is someone's self-care menu. So when we talk about self-care menu, what we're talking about is a list of things that you can do for two purposes. The first one is going to be to bring you back down to equilibrium. So if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, if you're someone who struggles with stress um, or, you know, or overwhelm, it's things to bring you back down from that sort of heading towards that fight or flight level. You know what I mean? Sort of as you go up those stairs where you don't really want to go. If you're finding you're going up those stairs, we need something to bring you back down to equilibrium, to bring you back down to balance. Of course, most of these things will be based around calming down your central nervous system, calming down the breathing, bringing your body temperature down, giving you some hydration, giving you some quiet time, giving you some fresh air, you know, these sorts of things, right? But these are activities that can take uh, less than five minutes and they're just to bring you back down to baseline, to equilibrium. Then in the middle column, we've got things that will take you five to 20 minutes or five to 15 minutes. So sort of that middle time. The first ones, you could probably do it at lunchtime. You could, if you really needed to, and you have got a TA, you can maybe pop off in the middle of a lesson, um, you know, break time just after school, just before school, things like that. The middle column, five to 20 minutes or five to 15 minutes. These are things that maybe you can do when you've got a bit more time, obviously, right? So they might be longer activities. They might be almost like mini holidays from the stress and the anxiety that you're currently experiencing. 
And then finally, the final column on the right hand side are going to be activities that take you a little bit longer. So they're things that take up more of your time, probably things you're going to do in the evenings or maybe before school, if you've got enough time or maybe on the weekend. So have a little picture of that. Uh, take a little picture of that. Have a little think about it. But these are some of the key things that I would, you know, I would think about light bulb moments, says Karine. I like a light bulb moment. I'll take that. Um, any tips when feeling lethargic? Oh, I'm going to come back to that one. If I forget, Sally, please nudge me. Um, I'll try not to. I'll go through these a few times. Um, yeah, giving up control is really tough. 100%. Really, really tough. I struggle with this all the time still. I really, really struggle with this. Yeah, seven habits of highly effective people. Is that Stephen Covey? Is it Covey or Kobe? I think it's Covey. Yeah, really, really good book. I didn't, I didn't know it was in there. I think I listened. I think pretty sure I listened to that on Audible. It's quite an older book now, isn't it? I think. I think I feel, I've got a feeling I listened to that quite a few years ago. Um, but really, really good. Like really good. Um, hate giving up control. Loads of people. Loads of you saying control freak. Yeah, loads of you. Yeah, yeah. I th and, and you know, this is this is really it's a genuine thing, right? because we've got these ways of doing things. Yep, I can be a perfectionist, fantastic. Yep, Lydia said, I, I redid my self-care for winter and I use it every day, it's such a game changer. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, Atomic Habits, fantastic book. Really, really good. Looking at the light um, on a candle, association, rollables, and a really good smell of carmine. Oh, nice, essential oils, nice. I actually, the, what did you say about the candle there, Becky? I actually did that the other day. Literally just had a coffee and had a candle on and just sort of, drank my coffee, looked out the window, looked at the candle, just anything that sort of brings you down, right? It brings you back down to that baseline. Really, really good. Really good. Okay. So that's the self-care menu. Um, what else did I want to talk to you about? Okay. A big one, a really, really big one. Some of us said that we were feeling like that sort of negativity was creeping in. And I'm not sure if we've all sort of heard of this before. I know, I know I've covered it in some of the sessions, but I want us to go back through it with you. And that is this idea of the negativity bias. So it is inbuilt in our brain. It's human nature to see more negativity around us than positivity. It once kept us alive. Now it's just a bit of a pain in the bum. But we do have an inherent negativity bias. It's why a lot of the news is negative because it gets clicks and likes and, you know, it's all clickbait and stuff. It's why Donald Trump won the election, right? It's the, the Facebook algorithm when he was it, when he was running for president was based on, I can't remember what the key words were, but one was like destroy. One was like, I don't know, there was like three key words that got searched on Facebook more during his president for presidency than any others. And they were all negative. And he, he, his posts just flew through the algorithm because they got so much attention because of this negativity bias. And social media algorithms play into obviously our attention, don't they? Whoever gets more attention gets boosted up sort of thing. So the negative device is everywhere. It's inbuilt in our minds. We can't help it. It's why if you go into school and it's a really rainy day, but there's a rainbow outside, most people wouldn't say, oh, do you see the rainbow? Most people would walk in and make a comment about it being cold or wet or how it spoiled the day or the kids are going to be off the wall, right? When you walk down the corridor, most people are going to sort of say something negative and moany about the weather. Why do we do that? Because it feels comfortable to moan. We like to moan at each other, right? We like to, be, to say something. I don't know. It's a weird thing, isn't it? It's a connection thing. You know that if you say something negative to someone, not about them, but you say something negative about a situation, you know that they're going to get it you know that they're going to respond and they're going to go, yeah, actually, that's really rubbish, wasn't it? This is why gossiping is so bad in schools. We put a bunch of people together, gossiping, moaning. We all do it. We all do because it's a connection thing. If I moan at that person, they moan back to me. We are connected and I'm then part of the tribe and part of the group. 
it's it's hilarious how how much our brains haven't actually evolved from like thousands and thousands of years ago. We still got negativity bias. We still have that tribal mentality where we want to be part of the tribe. And sharing that negativity does actually help. It, it's weird, but it feels good, right? So that's obviously not going to be very supportive of our health and well-being when we're trying to boost positivity. We're trying to see the good in things and we're trying to kind of change how we're feeling trying to change our self-belief we're trying to change our self-story we're trying to change our belief systems about ourselves and what we're capable of that's why we're here so what do we do about it something and bear with me here because i know some of you are going to cringe when i say this but trust me there is there's proper neuroscience behind it something that is really 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 supportive of positivity and creating a i'm not a big fan of like positive mindset but you know it can be a bit cliched, but we're going to go with it anyway, of creating a more positive mindset and basically trying to create your own positivity bias. We've already got a negativity bias. We need to kind of forge our own positivity bias. One thing that's been shown time and time again to work is gratitudes. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go up and climb on a mountain and, you know, meditate in the clouds and practice gratitude and, you know, whatever your religious beliefs are. I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff. All I'm saying is in your head as you get into bed tonight think of three things that have gone well that you're proud of or that you're looking forward to if you wanted to you could write them down you could put them on a post-it note really good tip try and do this as you brush your teeth because hopefully you're all going to brush your teeth before bed we're habit stacking we're picking something we already do the habit of brushing our teeth and we're just tagging on this gratitude practice into it just do it for a week bear with me do it for a week and just see how you feel at the end because when we go to sleep, our subconscious mind isn't, you know, isn't completely as inactive as our conscious, obviously. So it is sifting through thoughts and it's making memories and it's consolidating memories. And it's basically sort of like almost like bathing our brain and getting rid of the metabolic waste. It's doing all these crazy things. Something that it does is sift through those memories. It pattern recognizes and it makes meaning. And part of that is the restoration that the brain goes through during sleep. If you've just had some really positive grateful thoughts before bed and then you could even do this with when you wake up as well you're kind of bookending your day with these moments of positivity these moments of lightness these moments of you know not doom and gloom basically if you are scrolling through instagram or bbc news before bed you're going to get the opposite effect and if you get up and the first thing you do is look at your phone again cortisol stress gets spiked that's another sort of side tip there try not to look at your phone for the first 15 minutes of the day i know it's really hard but you can uh, select it so certain people can get through to you. So if there's an emergency and stuff, you can do that. But you, when you wake up first thing in the morning, cortisol, your stress hormone, is through the roof. It's what, it's what wakes you up. Sound and cortisol spiking. That's what gets you out of bed. If you then go and look at your phone, the light, the, um, the notifications, the emails, the news, that is a big rush of stress. So if you're someone who feels very tense and on edge and go, 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 and your heart rate's quite quick in the morning and you feel sort of, you know, quite short tempered and stuff, try starting your day in a bit of a slower way. Gone off piece there anyway. So that's negativity bias. Try and bookend your day with some gratitudes. Let me know if any of this sounds good. Be honest with me. Who hears gratitudes and thinks what a load of rubbish? Because I know I definitely did. Uh, to be fair, I, th I even thought that about meditation for a long time. I thought, well, that doesn't work, does it? I tried it once, didn't work. Think these these are the kind of things you need to stick out for a good good little while. Final little thing I want to say on motivate uh, on mindset is motivation. I'll put it in inverted commas because it's a load of rubbish. Motivation is doing something when you want to do it. If you only do something when you want to do it, you're barely ever going to do it, particularly during winter. 
Who here is motivated to go for a walk in the freezing cold pouring rain? Probably like one out of the 20 people or so. No one's motivated to go out in the dark and the cold. If you rely on motivation, your habits are going to be like this, which is probably where they might have been for a few years. We can't rely on it. Motivation is like the British weather, right? It comes and it goes. It's just complete rubbish. We cannot wait for motivation. It's just We just can't. So what do we do instead? What we want to think about, two things, discipline and systems. First of all, that's two already. Third thing, <laughs> momentum. So momentum is different to motivation because with momentum, you can build it. You can create your own momentum. So even on days where you're feeling really, really, really rubbish, you can do little tiny things to spark and almost like pat down that snow to create the start of a snowball. And then you can roll the snowball and we can just snowball ourselves through the week. And honestly, it really, really does help. So little things that you can do if you're really not feeling, I'm going to take a walking example. And if you've ever come to any of our trainings and stuff, you've probably heard me say this a million times, but I'm going to take the walking example just for a second. If you need to go for a walk or you want to go for a walk to increase your movement, to hit your longer term goals, to improve your health, to get stronger, to get fitter, whatever, walking is amazing. If you want to do that, in that moment, the pull of Netflix, a lovely candle, a nice herbal tea and the comfy sofa in your pajamas is probably going to be at 10 times the pull to go outside. Why? Because one, the Netflix is instant gratification and our brains are wired for instant gratification. It's like why we like social media, right? It's why we like, um, it's why Amazon is set up in the way it is that you can do one click buying because it gives you instant gratification, same day delivery, instant gratification. There's less time between buying and getting, which shortens what they call buyer's remorse that feeling of oh should i really have paid for this you know that kind of feeling they're really really clever they know that instant gratification gets you and it hooks you in and it keeps you there right the long term the delayed gratification of oh i'm going to improve my health in two months time and i might be able to fit in that dress at christmas isn't as important and as imposing in that moment as the lovely netflix and, and sofa right so that's why we find it so hard. So let's take that walking example. What we can do is we can break down the, the, the act of getting out for a half hour walk. Standing there in that moment, imagine you're in your hallway. There's Netflix that side or other streaming channels are available. There's, there's the sofa that side and your pajamas and the hot water bottle. And there's the long half an hour walk that side. Of course, you're going to go to the sofa, as I said. If you are thinking about a 30 minute walk in the rain, that, that isn't anything anyone wants to do. So let's break it down into the smallest possible steps. First of all, we say, right, what's my why? Why do I want to go out for this walk? And we remind ourselves of our mission. We remind ourselves why we're here and why we want to make this change. And we literally get as, as visceral as we possibly can. We think about how we want to feel and we want to think, we think about how we want to look and the impact and the ripple effect on people around us. And that conversation that we've probably had about your why, think about the reasons you're doing this. It's not to see 10 pounds lighter on the scale it's not so that you avoid it's not just so you avoid a cold in december this the reason that you are here today that you're giving up your monday night to listen to me waffle on is a big big reason it wouldn't be you wouldn't be here if it wasn't so we need to remember that when we're thinking about going for a walk so that's number one after that we want to break that walk down into the smallest possible steps so okay i'm not gonna go for a walk i'm literally just gonna sit on the stairs and lace up my shoes or put my wellies on then I'm just going to put my coat on. Then I'm going to put my hat on. And once I put my hat and my coat and my shoes on, if I want to, I can take them all off and go and, and go to net and go and watch Netflix. Say that to yourself. And it sometimes you might literally put your coat on and go, actually, yeah, I can't be bothered. And that's fine because you've made more progress than you would have done if you went and just went and got in your pajamas. But 
the, the likelihood is, is once you put your coat and your shoes and your hat on, you're probably going to go, well, it seems a bit silly to stay in there. I'm already dressed. So then you just need to tell yourself, well, all I'm going to do is I'm going to go outside. I'm going to stand for 60 seconds and go stand outside and just wait. So you go outside, you close the door, you stand there for 60 seconds. You're probably only going to get to like 30 seconds before you go. I feel like an idiot standing here. And then you're, you're outside. You've done the hardest part of starting. And you think, well, actually, it's quite fresh out here, you know. It's quite nice. I'm actually just going to go for a walk. It's quite peaceful. It's quite quiet. And then you say, then you say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to go for five minutes. And I set a timer on my phone, walk for five minutes. And if I still don't fancy it after five minutes, I'm going to turn around and come home. And there'll be times where you do turn around and come home. And that is fine because you've still been successful. You've still made progress. But again, the likelihood is you're probably just going to go and do the whole 30 minutes, feel amazing for it. Come and post in the group about how everyone should go out for an evening walk, then come home, then get in your pajamas and you've got the best of both worlds. You feel better. You've cleared your head. You've Again, that central nervous system has calmed down and you feel a million times better. So try that. When it comes to motivation, forget about it. Think about discipline and systems and think. And that's that coming back to that why and having the system of, right, I leave my shoes by the door, I leave my coat on the hook. And then breaking that habit down into its smaller, smallest possible steps. When I say smallest steps, I mean the tiniest steps you possibly can. Okay, so that's what I have to say about motivation. There's a lot more I could add to that. But again, I'm trying not to take up your entire evening. Uh, right, let's go to the chat. What are we all saying? Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, I've just got to do this. Um, using gratitude every single day, and it really helps me see the positives in each day. Certainly changed my mindset, and I do see the difference. Excellent. Fantastic um i do find it very hard to be positive yeah absolutely and and sally you gotta remember that that negativity bias not only is it inbuilt in our minds from like a biological perspective but you always you, we always get really good at what we practice for better or for worse right and we've all practiced for the most part focusing on the negatives and then when we focus on the negatives that becomes that self-talk it becomes that inner dialogue that inner dialogue then becomes our beliefs about ourselves and we put those ceilings on it and then that becomes our self-story and then you know if we had to go and write a story about ourselves it would be this kind of stuff i am able to i am not able to and that's that negativity bias kicks in hard so just remember it's not just biology we're fighting against we're fighting against repeated and ingrained habits and belief systems this stuff isn't going to change in six weeks can make fantastic progress on it but it's something that you're gonna to have to work on for months and years instead of days and weeks and i'm saying that because there's no point in me saying oh yeah by december it'll be fine because in reality again we don't want to set you up for disappointment we need to have this long-term vision we need to commit to the process and know that this is going to take time right um yep yeah, being being uh, positive about the external things excellent a student told me once hard work plays in the long term laziness uh, oh, hard work pays in the long term laziness pays now oh that's good fair that's uh, good coming from a student fair play <laughs> it's true it is and the other phrase that i really like on that liz is um easy choices now make for a hard life later hard choices now make for an easy life later so just jump forward 10 years if you look back on this moment, uh, not this moment, but, you know, deciding whether to go out for that walk. If you look back on this moment in 10 years, what are you going to be more grateful that you did in that in that instance? Are you going to be more thankful to yourself for going out for a walk and keeping up that habit and making this change and putting yourself first? Or are you going to be more grateful to kind of give up? OK. Anyway, right. Let's get back to this. So just a couple more things I want to talk to you about before it's going to be over to you to ask all the questions that you want to ask. Oh, I've gone way back through my slides. Where am I? Bear with me, guys. 
Toby Bond Pro. Oh, okay, I have to come out and start again on it. <laughs> Bear with me. Where are we? If you're listening back on the podcast, you, you've got a little, got a second before I'm back to where I was. Uh, where are we? There we go. Sorry. On the right slide now. Okay, fantastic. So we talked about the nutrition stuff. We talked about the mindset stuff. Again, I'm trying to sort of um, summarize things into sort of shorter sections here. Movement then. So getting uh, steps in during the day. I'll be really interested to know before I get into this, put in the comments, put in the chat, what are your sort of top tips for increasing that movement? Get them in the chat. What have you found works well? Because there are loads of different things we can do, but you guys are going to, you know, you're in school, you're in the classroom, you're in the office, whatever, you know, you are in, in school right now doing this. So what do you find works? As you do that, I'm going to, I'm going to start chatting, but some of the key things that have worked with people really, really well in the past have been things like looking at your week and mapping out when you're going to get some 15 minute walks in, because that can double up as your 15 minutes for you is to a podcast, get some music in, whatever. So is it going to be sort of first thing in the morning? Are you going to change your commute to school for a walk, walk to school potentially? Um, after school, could you go and have 15 minutes of walking around the playground once the kids have cleared off, just as a bit of a brain break for you, a bit of a refresh? After you get home from work, I know it's dark, but we all live in different places. And some of you might live in places where it is very well lit and then you can go for walks or you want to go for walks. So picking out big sort of, or, or small, sorry, 15 minute chunks during the day, where can I shoehorn this in? Something that lots of people in the team have been doing recently is going for a 10 minute walk at lunchtime. Now, as soon as I've said that, those of you are probably going, well, I can't do that. I, I, I work from a lunchtime. I get it. I totally do. So did I for years and years and years. But if you could hypothetically get a five to 10 minute walk in of fresh air out of the school building, maybe chatting with a colleague or with a friend or just by yourself again, listening to music, listening to the birds. Hypothetically, if you could do that, would it benefit you? And would you feel better afterwards? And would it help towards your movement? Because if someone suggests something and instantly you go, oh, I can't do that. That's that limiting belief kicking in, right? It's you going, I've never, I haven't got the evidence right now that I can achieve that. And so I'm going to say it's impossible. So I don't try, so I don't fail. That's a limiting belief. These are all things that maybe we need to give a go because until we try and we really try and we give it a go for a couple of weeks, this might work, right? It could work. You could maybe build a habit of getting five minutes out of the classroom of fresh air in. It could work. So that's one way. In terms of the classroom, if you're someone who sits down to teach, don't stand up as much as you possibly can. Move around the classroom as much as you possibly can. If you have children who sort of would do well with some little brain breaks here and there, try taking them out around the playground for like 10 minutes. Do the daily mile, you know, go go for a 10 to 20 minute walk, jog, run, whatever they want to do. Let them burn off some steam, get some fresh air. Sneakily, you get your steps in. They're probably going to come in a little bit more calm and able to focus. They get that brain break. We know that children can't concentrate for like a 60 minutes straight. We know that they need breaks during the lesson. So maybe a five minute break. If you have a long morning, could you have 15 minutes between the, you know, the first part? You know, I don't know the maths meeting or the spelling session or the grammar session and then the main English teaching or whatever could you have could you sandwich some in maybe um but those are just some of the things that really work and again little things like taking the long way around the school to the photocopier going up and down the stairs instead of using the lift don't think any schools have escalators do they <laughs> there's not that kind of money in education um you know taking the long way around walking across the playground parking further away in the car park parking further away from the shop these are all little ways. Even if it's 100 extra steps, you do that 10 times, 
That's a thousand extra steps that are going to add up for your day. Let me know in the chat, guys. What do you guys have? I'm guessing not much because no one's put any tips in for getting your steps in. So maybe that's something that we all needed to hear. Let me know from that list then, what ones are you going to try and implement? But just a few ideas for you. In terms of the workouts in your app, there are more to come. We're going to add to them slowly. Didn't want to kind of give you 10 million workouts to think about at once. I know that lots of us don't have any weights at home or any access to any equipment. So the next round of workouts that are going to come out this week are all completely um, equipment free. Okay, so your app will be updated with workouts for this six week period. I'm not going to give you a regimented training plan. I'm going to give you different types of training for you to experiment at home or at the gym. So you can figure out during the six six weeks what you enjoy, what you like. And so by the end of it, you're able to sort of go away in the new year and think, right, I know I, I tried five different things across that six weeks. I really, really enjoyed this one. I'm going to try and implement this into my routine. So I'm not going to give you a rigid workout plan. I'm going to give you lots of different options that you can trial. Okay, I hope that's all right. It's always the best way because most of us don't know what we enjoy. We don't know what we like because we've been forced into something before, right? Being pigeonholed. A couple of other topics I want to cover, right? Before I hand over to you guys to, to ask away. First one, I will, and, and a couple of you were really honest with it about this. And I, I, I really respected that because I think a lot of the time we, we're not honest with ourselves, but a couple of you were really, really honest this week. You get out of this what you put into it, okay? So you've invested this into yourself. You're here in the six-week challenge, seven-week challenge, actually, isn't it? If you do nothing from this point, like I said in the very first session, if you do nothing, you're going to get nothing. That's just the way it works. Very, very often we feel like when we pay for a coach or we join a program or something, we almost feel like the result is done and that we just sort of sit back and it happens for us or happens to us, should I say. We need to actually be doing stuff. Nothing changes if nothing changes, okay? And I can tell you as many tips and advice. I could be the most knowledgeable scientist in the world and give you, <clears throat> excuse me, give you the best tips that are like, you know, the, the silver bullet for every single thing. And it will happen in five weeks if you do it this way. But if you don't go and do it, it's not going to make a bit of difference. Information without implementation is useless, Right? It's the whole thing that we say to children. Well, I don't know. I did once. It says to a parent, actually. No, being able to read and not reading is no different to not being able to read, right? Having the skill and the information, but not doing anything with it is the same as not having that in the first place. So let's make the most of this opportunity. And everyone who's here live, you know, there's like 17 of you here live you've all made this a priority of your week which is amazing you've put yourselves first by coming to, to this chat tonight but you're going to get out of this what you put into it we had about four or five of us um this week the last week who were really poorly bless you all um we had lots of lots of people poorly of different reasons flu covid vertigo other things going on and you know a couple of those people said yeah i just couldn't i couldn't put into this this week which is absolutely fine it's not a problem at all you know we're, we all we all pick up a bug every now and then hopefully by the end of the challenge we'll be picking up a lot less but for those of you who didn't have circumstances like that who just didn't make a meal plan for example last weekend or who just didn't go food shopping you need to ask yourself why because you've invested in yourself, you've invested the money into yourself. If you're listening back to this or you're watching live, you're now currently investing this time into yourself. But why did you not maybe last week invest that time into yourself? Is it self-belief, right? Is it the fact of a fear, a fear of failure? Or is it even a fear of success? Lots of people have this thing where it's, it's like having a bungee cord strapped to your back, right? 
from from Monday, and you'll we'll all experience this in time. From last Monday, that's your starting point. And for the first two to four weeks, it will be like running with a bungee cord with loads of slack, right? You'll be running, you'll be running, making progress. It will be going great. And suddenly that bungee cord will become really, really tight and it will start to yank you backwards. It always happens around the sort of four to six week mark, of like 90% of people that I coach. This is because your old identity is now coming into friction, coming into contact and having friction against your new habits. And your old identity is sort of screaming out a little bit going, hang on a minute, this isn't what we do. I'm not the kind of person who gets up for a morning walk. I'm the kind of person who's lazy. You know, I've been telling myself I'm lazy for years. I've been telling myself I can't stick to a diet for years. What's going on? Like, I'm not on a diet. I'm just I'm I'm using these different tools. I can't do this. And your 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 old identity will start screaming out. And it's because you're moving out of that comfort zone. Right. You're in that stretch zone. And this this will likely happen for, for all of us at some point during this journey. But we've got to expect it and we've got to come back to the reason why we're here. And what's the, what's the point of us being here? Because you're all here for a reason. Right. Like I said, you've already invested so much into this. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't important to you. So just remember, you get out of this, what you put into it. Expect that there will be friction with your old identity at some point. And just as best you can look for the evidence that you can do this. Every time you hit a speed bump and there'll be plenty. Trust me. Every time you hit a speed bump. Look for the evidence that you have already done this. You are the kind of person who does this and start casting those votes for you 2.0, right? Sally 2.0, Kareen 2.0, Teresa 2.0, Lydia 2.0. Think about that version of yourself. Almost sort of like think about the the end product. And I, I don't always talk about this very much, but think about you feeling how you want to feel. Imagine you having reached your goal and, that, and imagine having a conversation with that person. What advice would they give you? in that moment when you're hitting that speed bump imagine talking to that future version of yourself and saying like right i've hit a speed bump what do i do what would they say to you because again super cheesy it's not about the destination it's about the journey it's about the journey it's not about the destination but it is really really true because if i click my fingers and you arrived at the perfect health uh, weight fitness levels happiness mental health work-life balance if i click my fingers and you were there tomorrow you wouldn't be able to stay there you wouldn't be able to sustain it because you haven't been along the journey where you learn how to manage it. This is all a learning process. Anyway, that's the end of that one. Final thing I'm going to say, rules of engagement. If you have anything to ask, any questions whatsoever, put them in the group, please. Please put them in the group because it's not just me. There's over 50 people in that group. And if you post, if you send me a question, I had someone reach out and send me a question on Instagram. It's fine. I'm not, not criticizing anyone. But if you send me an Instagram um, message, we get over 100 messages a day. We're probably not going to see those. So tr- please, please, please try to post it in the group. Ask the questions in the group. There's 50 people in there. It's not just me in there. You've got Johnny in there. You've got Chantel, who's head of client success and communication. So she's going to jump in and help out with you. You've got our behavior change psychologist coming soon. Tom, our PT, is going to come into that group soon. So you've got all these all these coaches who are there to support you. It's not just me. If you send me an Instagram message, I'm number one, I'm probably going to miss it. I'm not good with my messages anyway, and it's going to it's likely to get lost in there. Um, and the group is, is, is set up for this. It's set up to get your questions answered as quickly as possible, get you unstuck and get you moving forward. Um, but that's it, guys. That's all I had to talk about today. What's that? Oh, a long time. Sorry, I've rambled way too long there. <laughs> I hope this has been really, really useful. Has anyone got any other questions? Um, I'm going to leave the podcast running just because there might be some questions that are useful here. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, Liz, I love that. Carol Dweck says, becoming is better than being. 100%. Becoming is better than being. 
Exactly. So if I could magic you to being, there's no way you're going to sustain it because you haven't gone through that becoming part. I love that. Fantastic. Teresa loves a good weight session. Excellent. Excellent. On play duty, I do the walk and talk with the children. That's great, Sam. Really, really good idea. Start again at half an hour earlier in the mornings and either do an exercise bike workout or a walking workout. Excellent. Love it. Uh, you always used to work through lunch. Now I always do a walk. Only a very short one, but it does help. There we go, guys. Um, I walk the long way around the school to the toilet, the photocopy of the staff room. Yeah. Imagine you get an extra 25 steps in, do that four times a day. It's an extra 100 steps. All adds up. Times that by five. That's 500 extra steps on your weekly average. Right, right. Um, choosing stairs over lifts, setting an alarm for 10 minutes. Um, walking back, uh, walking to the alarm goes and then walk back. That's excellent. I love that one, Amy. That's really, really good. Get something done first thing in the morning. Yes, excellent. Walk the room when teaching. I love a clicker now, which means I can move a lot more. Yeah, love it. Walking to get your water bottle from the table rather than asking a child to grab it. Yeah, who's guilty of that? Asking children to, to run your favours for you. I know I certainly did. Um, walk the room when teaching, but actually having to move rooms between each lesson. Yeah, for all the secondary teachers out there, or if you're supply or you're covering or anything, um, moving between rooms. Yeah, absolutely. Moving between rooms between lessons really really helps because the school is huge walk the long way around school get the photocopy or the office parking at the furthest end of the car park sorry guys i didn't see any of these come in they didn't come up as notifications lunchtime walks doing the daily mile with kids yes 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 break time duty lunchtime walk fantastic yeah these are all brilliant ideas guys pick if you're someone who struggles pick one or two just one or two and try to embed that from tuesday to friday see how you get on let me know when you check in on Sunday. Prep my lunch for tomorrow while listening instead of putting it off. Excellent. Well done, Susan. Good to hear. Uh, advice for not calorie counting. I become obsessed, but being mindful. Absolutely. So the way I want you to think about that, Lou, is that calorie counting isn't a diet. It is just a one of many, 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 many tools that we have available. And I want you to imagine a toolbox. We've got calorie counting. We've got intermittent fasting. Let me find the slide, actually. We've got loads and loads of different ones. I'm not going to find it now, am I? Uh, <laughs> where is it? Uh, da -da -da. Where's my list? It'll be a lot easier if I can find my list, won't it? Um, I'm going to find it because I can just leave it on the screen whilst I talk. Uh, there we go. Cool. So hopefully you can see that. Right. So there's loads and loads of different approaches. Loads of them are on the screen. Calorie tracking is just one of those many tools in your toolbox. And if it's not something that works for you, I'm not I'd never tell you to do something that is going to negatively impact your relationship with food, your relationship with yourself, your mental health or anything, because I've been there. I've become over obsessed with that. I, I very shamefully am going to admit this is many years ago. Please don't judge me for this. This is many, 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 many years ago. I did a photo shoot um, because my very first business mentor said, do you know what you need to do? You need to do a photo shoot. Forgetting that I was going to be working with mostly 25 to 45 year old females who would never, ever, ever want to do a photo shoot. But apparently it was the thing to do. So I, I did this photo shoot and I became unhealthily obsessed, like on the border of an eating disorder, I would say, definitely with um, disordered eating tendencies. Might not have been diagnosed, but it was I definitely had tendencies so I, I completely understand and I know that that is not what we want to do so what we need to understand about all these tools is that they all have different uses and applications so for someone um calorie tracking might be like out of the question really really unhelpful so we need to find a different approach that works for you what I would recommend would be something like the hand model um, and just think about a balance plate so in terms of the balance plate thinking about a quarter of your plate is protein which is about a palm size, roughly, give or take the size of your plate. Um, 
about a third of your plate, quarter to a third of your plate of, of, of veggies or fruits and veggies, a quarter of your plate is carbs or a cupped handful of, of dry carbs. And then, you know, a little bit of fat, you know, drizzle of oil, a little bit of avocado, some seeds or, or nuts or whatever, or about thumb size of nut butter, something like that. That's just a balanced plate. And it's not going to completely um, guarantee that you're going to be hitting a calorie deficit, which is the mechanism behind losing body fat. However, it means it's you're going to have a lot of satiation. You're going to feel nice and full. It's going to minimize snacking. If you also increase your, increase your movement, you are much, much more likely to be hitting a calorie deficit than you were without it's not foolproof. The thing about calorie tracking is that you can, um, you know, you can be a lot more accurate and everything exists on that spectrum, doesn't it? From most accurate and usually most time intensive, um, most impactful on your life, most imposing on your life. That's usually the most accurate version all the way across to the least accurate, which is usually the most flexible, the least impactful on your life. Something like, um, just track it, uh, something like, well, really the, the portion control and just eyeballing portions. That's a pretty um, low impact on your life, uh, lifestyle, right? But here's that sort of um, portion control, a little sort of uh, visual for you. I would stick with this and just be really, really mindful of getting protein in at three meals a day because that's going to help you hit your protein um, requirements, making sure we're getting in probably two big fistfuls of fruits and veggies on a plate, which is again about a third of a plate, if you think about it that way, um, cupped handful of dry carbs, so dry pasta, dry rice, um, and then little, like I said, a little thumbful of, of healthy fats. Eat a rainbow, try and get some as many of these things as you possibly can in, prioritize that protein, control your environment, and then that's likely, not guaranteed, but likely to help you eat below your maintenance calories for your body weight, therefore lose body fat over time. It will be slower. It will be less predictable. There'll be less data for, for us to help you with, but it saves you having to track calories and becoming obsessed. Another really good thing that works for a lot of people is tracking calories, but just having a range. So if someone gets said to you, okay, well, I want you to eat 1600 calories a day, you feel that you need to be hitting 1600 calories. No one does, by the way. If you have a hundred calorie range, so 50 calories below, 50 calories above, that is a pretty tight range and you're, and you're going to be pretty accurate with that. For someone who doesn't want to become obsessed, you might have a 200 calorie range where you're eating between 16 to 1800 calories per day, or you might loosely track. You might just track on the weekends because your weekday nutrition might be quite similar day to day and you might be able to manage that quite well. So it might just be the weekends that you track almost like those off days. You might find it useful to introduce intermittent fasting. So maybe there's a meal that we really, really reduce in size or a meal that we completely skip altogether, depending on how you feel. So there's loads of different approaches. You don't need to feel tied down to one. Please, please don't do something that is harmful. That's not what we what not what we want to do. It might take longer. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, you'll get six pack abs in six weeks, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that's not what we're about. It might take longer. But at the end of the day, it's again, it's the toss up. What's the sacrifice? What are you willing to give up in order to hit your goal? And mental health should never be one of those things. Like I say, I've been there. It's not good. It, it's, it's not worth it at all, particularly as you feel really, really rubbish when you get to low body fat and you just feel dreadful all the time. <laughs> Right, guys, any other chats? Any uh, any other questions? Sorry, any other questions? Um, Sally, you had one at the start, didn't you? Um, uh, any tips for feeling lethargic? Now, um, I'm going to quickly just talk about the mornings because 
when you wake up in the morning, it's completely normal for you to feel a little bit groggy and lethargic. What you need to remember is that you've just been in a sleep cycle, particularly if you've broken a sleep cycle, you've woken up um, not in your lighter zones of sleep. You know, those mornings that you do wake up, and you feel quite refreshed. That's normally because you've woken up in sort of one of the lighter stages of sleep, you know, the lightest one, non-REM one. Because you've completed a cycle, you come back to your lighter sleep, uh, cortisol's spiked, you've heard your alarm or you've heard something, you wake up and you feel okay, you feel pretty. And that's when you go, oh, I've had a good night's sleep. It is normal to have a good night's sleep, but still sometimes wake up groggy because you've broken a sleep cycle and you've come out from deep sleep to just awake. And you've got to think about the layers of sleep and how, you know, in terms of your brain and your body, pulling you out of sleep and into a, a, a state of awake, awakeness. Oh, I'm going to go with it. Awakeness and alertness, plus your cortisol, your stress hormones just surge through the roof. You're, you're bound to feel quite groggy, lethargic and a little bit tired. Have yourself a really big glass of water. Take your time. Give yourself 15 minutes to kind of wake up, bit of fresh air, splash some freezing cold water on your face. I do this every morning and you will feel better. You really, really, really will. Also, if anyone struggles with anxiety, splashing freezing cold water on your face as well has got some decent research behind it to sort of not reset you, but to kind of help with that vagus nerve and cooling you down and, and having a bit of a, an alertness sort of break. Um, any other questions? In terms of sort of lethargy throughout the day and feeling lethargic throughout the day, I would say hydration, just making sure that you, you are drinking plenty of water, making sure that you're not having any huge meals, Something that is quite common is for people to have a really, really big lunch or even just a quite a high carbohydrate lunch and feel quite sleepy afterwards. It's like Christmas Day. If you can start to look at meal sizes and portion sizes and try to maybe reduce them down so you're not absolutely stuffed, but you are satiated and you're full, almost like you could maybe eat just a little bit more, but you're satiated because we know that hunger grows like a bouncy castle. You know, if you check in with someone 30 seconds after finishing a meal, they'll say, I could probably have seconds. If you check in with that person 30 minutes after a meal, that hunger, those hunger signals from the tissue around your stomach take time to reach the brain. Remember, we've got the hunger, the hormone that makes us feel hungry, that uh, ghrelin gremlin, I call it, or the ghrelin goblin that makes you feel hungry. That's higher just before your period week, by the way. Um, and then you've got the hormone that makes you feel full. I call that lovely leptin. And that takes time to come from here up to up to the brain it takes time um it, it doesn't just come from there though it does come from other places but most of it comes from the fatty tissue around the stomach um so it takes time to know that you're full plus a big signal is gastric stretch so your stomach um expanding so again if you're someone who feels hungry five minutes after give it another 20 minutes wait for your stomach to stretch and your brain to catch up and yeah that will help but in terms of lethargy keeping those minimum and um, those portions to, to a minimum drinking lots and Faye, work for Faye, drinking lots of water helped me yesterday. Again, nothing wrong with caffeine whatsoever. You know, a, a coffee, I mean, it's not an excuse. It's not a, you know, it's not a way to get out of lethargy. But if you're having a day where you have had some poor sleep, there's nothing wrong with caffeine. Just be aware that it has a five and a half hour, sorry, a four to six hours so for around a five hour half-life. So if you have a coffee at 12, by 5 p.m., there's still half that amount of caffeine in your system by 10 p.m. again. So just bear it somewhere between four to six hours. So general rule for caffeine, try not to drink up any caffeine after lunchtime if you want to get a really good night's sleep. Um, but yeah, let me know, Sally, let me know how that goes. Drink plenty of water, not overeating. Know that you might feel a little bit groggy in the morning and that that's completely normal. 
Right, guys, haven't had any more questions come in. I think we've covered everything. I have gone through my list. Um, yeah, literally ticked everything off. Uh, sleep was one. I'm not going to touch on that now because I've been chatting for too long, but I'm going to pop us a few sleep more resources. A few more sleep resources. You can tell it's half eight at night, can't you? A few more sleep resources uh, in the challenge group tomorrow morning once I have gone to bed and I can think again. It's been a long old day. No worries, Sally. No worries at all. Right, guys, I'm going to wrap this up here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining me. I hope this has been useful and you've taken some good things away. This week, our topic training, uh, which is Mindset for Change, is on Wednesday. Just a reminder, it's a day earlier this week because I am away Thursday and Friday on an early 30th birthday trip to Bristol. So I'm not around Thursday, Friday. But like I said, all the other coaches will still be there to support you. The group will still be there. So everything will run smoothly without me. And I'll see you on Monday for our check-ins. Right. Cheers, guys.